0: like for example when new doctors come into doctor care anywhere so previously it would have been you know what's your experience of you know virtual remote consultations even just telephone consults what have you pre pre pre-pandemic some gps hadn't really done it and now pretty much everyone every gp has had to learn to manage patients remotely
1: (laughs) as many of you know, especially peri-pandemic, remote working for GPs in particular has really taken off and before the pandemic we worked with some telehealth companies um, and it was a really new thing and you know it was really popular but now there is a sea of companies all vying for GP's attention to come and work with them. And so one of the main questions that we're focusing on in today's episode is, how do you choose the one that's right for you? Every company will offer a different work environment, different opportunities, uh, different teams, different settings. And so it's how, how, how do you know which one to go for? Quite difficult um, when they're all competing for your attention. Um, so we've interviewed... Dr. Sharina Fernandez, who is a GP clinical lead at Dr. Care Anywhere and has worked in digital health since 2015. So she's got a great deal of experience on what it's like to work with um, a few remote telemedicine companies. And so in this conversation, we will focus on the reasons that she chose to move from conventional GP practice and a surgery to telehealth company and the experiences she had in these companies and her insights on what doctors, particularly GPs, should be thinking about when they are making that decision to move, to stay and to grow. So before we start, don't forget, please, please, please don't forget to subscribe on the channel of your choice, whichever you're listening to this on. Um, and also join our mission. And so that's meaning that you're going to be joining the Medic Footprints community in the UK and internationally and getting all the updates from us as and when they come on a regular basis. So this is really useful if you are looking to diversify your career or you have and you're looking for tips, tricks and insider advice. So go to medicfootprints.org forward slash join our mission. Uh, so that's a quick sign-up page for you there. And don't forget, if you have listened to several of these episodes and you can't help yourself but listen to more, then that's a good sign. You're enjoying it. It's useful. It's valuable to you. So please don't forget to subscribe and leave a glowing review so that we can share our stories and advice and community with, again, doctors across the world who are just like you. Anyway, on to our interview with Sharina. Let's face it, burnout amongst doctors is sky high and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Doctor Abaina Bubbs-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best and diverse career opportunities. Welcome, Sharina. I'm really glad to welcome you on this podcast to talk about a really topical question, which is what do GPs look for in a telemedicine company? So um, Shereen, you'll tell us a little bit more about which companies you've worked for and your career as a GP thus far. But it's one of the questions that come up pretty much every week <laughs> in our in our forums. And, and tell, tell me if I'm wrong, you'll get a GP who usually, this is a typical, usually there's a GP who is burned out and they're looking for other opportunities that support their work-life balance. And then considering some of the, the common a GP tenement medicine companies, and like which one is the best, and how do I choose them? And et cetera, et cetera. It's a question that like all GPs have. And it's interesting because we first started working with one of the big telemedicine companies like a while before the pandemic actually happened. And our campaigns were really successful because it provided the option of working from home, right? And it was relatively new, a little bit risque, a little bit different. And then peri-pandemic, it's like everyone wants to be working from home. So basically, we've invited you to this podcast to really share your experiences as to what you were thinking about when you moved from traditional GP practice to telemedicine, and as a clinical lead, how you advise and support other GPs and what are they thinking about when they decide to move to these companies. So welcome. That was a very long intro, but Welcome. (laughs) But we're going to use this opportunity now for me to stop talking and uh, hear more about you. So, Sharina, thank you so much. Tell us a little bit more about your your, your general career in GP practice from when you 1st CCT'd as a GP. Yeah, sure.
0: Okay. So, well, thank you for having me, Abena. And as I said, it's really exciting to be talking to you because obviously I have followed medic footprints for a while, so it's lovely to meet you. Um, okay. So, yeah, so, um, so where to start? So, yes, yeah, so I'm a Charing Cross girl, medical school at 97, qualified 2003, went into general practice. I actually want to do pediatrics, um, did a foundation year, which involved GP, um, pilot F2. So it was house jobs and SHO when I was training, um loved general practice, so I was someone who's come into general practice, really wanted to be a GP and loved it, but then it has changed over time, I feel, but the world has changed and people have changed. So it started becoming, I don't know what the word is, but almost thinking to myself, can I do this until I retire? And this was pre-pandemic and pre-having children. Uh, So I met up with a friend um, who I had trained with and she was working for Babylon and this was around 2015 so as you say back pre-pandemic telehealth was considered quite risque and a lot of people were like you can't safely assess a patient remotely that's ridiculous Um, and Uh I remember saying that to her but how can you you know what about abdominal pain what about this what about that and she very you know she's like next time you're consulting see how much you get from the history and how much you actually get just well, a med like... school like what 80
1: to 90 percent of our history is a diagnosis right yeah probably more exactly. than that right <laughs> so feel, you know, it's kind of <laughs> how does this link up um, yeah so so
0: it's like oh and she's she started saying also she's like I'm um, I'm more up to date. She's like, I never used to use the centaur criteria with tonsillitis, but you almost have to justify everything and you have to be safer and everything's recorded. And, you know, and she's like, you know, she's like, think about it. Someone can upload a picture of their throat, which back then was like, oh, yeah, you know, and and this kind of thing. And so, yeah, so I thought, well, let's give it a go. And so the difference, you know, working for Babylon, I was treated as a professional. It was, it was a totally different experience.
1: I got to work from home. Can I I go back? Can I go back? Because then just going back to your decision making around going into Babylon. Yes. So what was it about what your friend mentioned to you that really clicked for you and really fit into what you were were looking for at that time? Because were you actively looking at that time for other opportunities?
0: I think I was at the stage where. I felt that I couldn't do what I was doing, like oh, ge- just general practice and nothing else. Until I I was, I was young, maybe.
1: sorry. Okay. So you are primed for considering other op- options? Yeah,
0: so I felt like I needed to be doing something else. And mm-hmm. I loved the idea of working from home. And I remember saying, you know, oh. it's the one thing other jobs you can work from home, but you can never work from home as a doctor. <laughs> right so back then that was the feeling yeah. you know pre-pandemic that was the feeling and so you know she and she was really happy and and she's like it's such a, it's, it's exciting and she said I feel this is the future <laughs> you know ahead um, of the I feel this is the future and give it a try and because I was just looking for something different I knew that I didn't want to only be doing what I was doing but I wouldn't survive doing that until I retired I was in my 30s it was you know only halfway through my career I needed to be doing something else
1: so your friend did she actually refer you to the company or did you actually like um apply directly how did that work I think I think
0: back then I applied but Mentioned her name that oh, she's right. so, okay.
1: currently. Okay. Yes, okay. great. And, and what, so, what was the whole process like? Because obviously, yeah. You know, so I remember the first foray into the well, the, the private sector, as we know, exactly. not you know, not NHS. And, private,
0: back, and again, the interview process, I think, for a telehealth company pre-pandemic was probably very different to what it is after the pandemic. Because back mm-hmm. then, most GPs had no experience of working virtually. So I remember having my interview with one of the doctors and I remember sort of getting a series of um, it's such a long time ago, but there was a series of what would you do in this situation? And what do you think are the differences, you know, the pros of digital health and, you know, what what are the limitations? What do you think they are? And then some scenarios. Well, how would you manage this virtually? And then they purposely gave scenarios that you couldn't manage virtually so that you knew you'd say, That would have to be, you know, they they need a face-to-face appointment or how would you manage something in an emergency? So, yes, it was a very, at the time, I do not know what the interviews for Babylon are like now, but at the time it was a very clinical interview. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was was fun, actually, because, you know, thinking about it. And, uh, yeah, it, it was fine. And so I had the interview... I I joined Babylon and then there was a nice process of um, you know getting to know that platform and there were videos to watch and what have you and I'm trying to remember what it was then but I think they were 10 minute appointments but I well when you started there were lots of breaks it's going to be very different now, may I add. I've not worked for yeah. a long time.
1: But then going, going into okay, then going back to that process, there's a lot of yeah. GPs, you know, when they're making a decision as to who to work for, I mean, as you know, now they have a lots of different options. Yes. So who, in, in, in that process, maybe subconsciously, you know, because it's, it's just like going, any any interview is basically like going on a date are going on a date with a company, and you want to know whether the company going to work for you as much as the as much as reason why the company wants to find out whether you're going to work for them. Uh, but people do forget, as doctors we are very talented, high value people who are actually bringing in the company money. <laughs> like like we are, like, we are driving the business and the money side of things, right? Yeah. So it's really important that both sides work really well together in that Absolutely. process. So. My, my question to you is besides obviously your friend recommended it which is big tick and the interview process you thought was reasonable big tick was there anything else in that process that kind of gave you a, a, a good feel about what the company was like being that it's in the private sector
0: so again because you have to remember sort of interviewing for babylon and then interviewing later for another company yeah you know work for doctor care anywhere um what I wanted and what I was looking for were two different things. And, and yeah. so, yes, so if, if, if we're steering back to back then, um, the, the immediate things were just seeing the, how, the questions they were asking me. And they were obviously checking I was a self-doctor. Um, you know, my hours, the, the fact that I could choose my hours, You know, obviously, back then, working from home was amazing. Um, At that point, we didn't get any equipment or anything like that. But as I say, it was kind of in in its infancy back then. But um, it was nice to see, you know, they had protocols and, you know, things like Right. Children, for example, you could not do a telephone call with children. They had to be seen on video because of a safeguarding thing. So it was all new, but it was it was nice to see these things in place because obviously you want as doctors, we want to be clinically safe. You know, it's, it's massive. So. Yeah, and then and then obviously within that training, the platform, you know, was it easy to use? How was it to work? And and I remember at the time like thinking, oh wow, this is cool, because you know, when to do a referral, and I was thinking, oh, you literally just pressed a button, like referral, yes or no, referral done. You know, you don't have to write your referral letter dictate anything, it was all just oh, done. God. Um so yeah, so it was it was a, you know, it was nothing but good. When I joined, it was like, wow, this is a new way of working. And, and the other thing was as well, because people, obviously, there's nothing like face to face. But when you're doing video calls, and it's not not with your phone, you know, when it when it's on a computer, and it's a proper video call, you can get a rapport with a patient. And it's a bit like, you know, we're talking now, or even if I put it back to you, so my team, so I as I say I'm a clinical leader. I don't think we've got there yet. I'm a well, clinical leader on, but it's not to anywhere. It's but we it's <laughs> <laughs> we've been working together when like in the pandemic, you know, we're working together. We've never seen each other in real life, but we meet on teams, you know, and you feel like you know people, even though you've not yeah. met. So I think there is a degree, you know, the patients can get something and you can get something you. If, you, if you're used to working digitally, you really can help patients. And yes. you used to find that patients wanted to book with you again. And, mm. you know, and it was really nice to see that you can still have that.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that, I, mean that, I think that's very, very true for the way that people work. I mean, I was just thinking today I've been working from home since the pandemic exclusively, yeah. pretty much. I mean, yes, I, I do do a clinic in person now about twice a month. But actually, all of my work is from home. Um, <laughs> and actually, had I looked back, because I, I know I looked back, I think it was 2013 when I changed over from urology um, to occupational medicine. And I, and I in, in making that transition, I had to make some choices similar to you about lifestyle. And I said, I don't want to work nights anymore. I don't want to work weekends anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be on call. Yeah. And I, so, and I, you know, I'd, I'd rather kind of not necessarily leave home every day. And you know, someone would have said to me, or like, there's no way you're gonna be a better doctor with all of that. Like, yeah. what doctor does all of that? And hello guys, that <laughs> is my life now. I am a consultant, but anyway, okay. Anyway, so yeah. maybe <laughs> just, just to say, you know, we, we are working very differently from the way doctors used to work not that long ago, not that yeah. long ago, and still providing a valuable service to healthcare. Yeah. But um, yeah, just jumping a little bit. Yeah moving into um, your work now at DCA. Yeah. If we look at comparisons to what you were looking for when you moved to Babylon and to what you were looking for when you moved to DCA, are there any factors that you or any other doctors are particularly thinking about when choosing the right kind of company to work for? So far we've mentioned things like working from home, um, the time you get with your patients, the video contact, the clinical safety, the user experience of the platform. Um, anything else that's particularly important that, that you see come up again and again? So this is, it's flexibility.
0: And that is why I left. So so I, I was really happy at Babylon. They were great, you know, it was great to work for them when I was working for them. Um, I, I went on maternity leave to have my son um, and I took the year out. When I was going back and I was, you know, saying, what What am I gonna work? I couldn't choose when I worked anymore. Um, and, you know, they really tried, but it wasn't, you know, I couldn't choose which, so I needed the flexibility and I couldn't get that anymore at Babylon. Um, the other thing was that um, they had started doing, when I left, they were doing some NHS work, but I didn't have to do it. So when I went back, it was like, you will be doing NHS work. And um, this is all pre pandemic again, and I felt uncomfortable doing NHS
1: work with a private company, you know. So, hmm. why then, was that just out of curiosity? Why was that at the time? I don't know. I think they're so just kind of worrying about indemnity and yes, and I think and that. And I
0: think just knowing that I wouldn't know what's available locally, you know, like. Sort of when it's private, you can just it's kind of all generic. But when you're seeing an NHS patient, like when I work locally, I know what's available to them on the NHS yeah. locally. So yeah. yeah, there were there were lots of reasons. I just felt really uncomfortable. So I decided it was my time to leave, and I left on perfectly good terms and what have you. And then I was looking around. So why mm-hmm. did I choose DCA? So um, DCA. Um, doctor care anywhere um I chose I chose them because they were doing 20 minute appointments it was varying like 15 or 20 even back then um so it's now changed but it was 20 minute appointments you've got that time with the patient um and I was able to be self-employed so I think I had set shifts on one day but so you know one one evening I think it was but I could also add in others and that was perfect so I yeah, had employed a baby
1: and self-employed
0: I was self-employed but I could also choose self-employed oh, right. I had I had a session I did on a I think it was a Monday I used to do a Monday evening or something like that um and then I still did my NHS work on the other days but if I needed to I could pick up shifts mm.
1: and do other shifts and that, that was that's lovely point Sharina because I know a lot of these companies are kind of offering one or the other or both in some yeah. cases. What going back to GPs? What kind of factors should they consider when deciding whether to go employed or self-employed with any company?
0: What I would say that a lot of a lot of companies are going to prefer employed to self-employed. You know that,
1: yeah. <laughs> self-employed.
0: <laughs> Keep super... what <laughs> And and the other thing is, obviously, when you are employed, you get your indemnity. So I I think pretty much most of the um, telehealth companies have their own medical indemnity, which is a huge thing, because when you're self-employed, paying indemnity, it can add up. So even though you might be getting more money, slightly it probably gets taken away by the time you've paid your indemnity so i think that is one thing to Especially consider the GP, isn't
1: it? The GP exactly
0: indemnics. so oh, that's that's a huge no. factor to consider look at the you know in terms of your annual leave and and what you're paying mdu it might not be the
1: better deal um I'm saying that i've seen gps like standard local gps earning 20 30k a month so <laughs> it does it does it can pay, it can pay off no, it. I, I know no absolutely
0: um I, I, yes. And I think, you know, again, so when you're looking at at different companies, uh, that's the other thing. Because what I think you'll find as well is that obviously, as you said, there's so many digital health companies now coming. So I think you'll get away with a lot more with a a newer company. So, you know, as companies are starting up, I think they will let you pick and choose and they let you be, you know, Um, self-employed and what have you but I think you have to remember as the company builds and they start you know getting and workforce planning and all the rest that might dwindle because that's my experience with Babylon you know initially loads of self-employed and then slowly it was like no we want everyone on fixed shifts and uh, what have you and that's happening you know it's happening now and and I think it will happen with each so you know you might think oh well this company allows it but I think the newer companies, as time goes on, I think there's a pattern that we get everywhere. And I think,
1: yes, well, if draw you think... them with, draw them in with
0: the sessional work and then try <laughs> and get them to. The <laughs> and, Maybe. So I just yeah. think bear that in mind. But oh, there's so much advantages of, of being with a telehealth company because you can do the minimum sessions, but it allows you to explore other avenues and I mean this is why I thought this was a really nice podcast because there are so many GPs out there who are struggling and I mean we it's almost another topic but I burnt out um you know I went back after maternity leave and so I joined DCA, obviously, but I found my NHS work. I was trying to fit it all in. You know, I was trying to be the perfect mum, the perfect doctor. I felt guilty because I was now part-time, but trying to fit it all in. I, Because of nursery pickup, I couldn't do on-call, so I saw more patients. And it all got too much, you know, panic attack at work. I had to take time off, completely burnt out. What am I going to do? Um, it was a positive experience. I went to practitioner health programme put lots of things in place and you know was better for it but one of the things throughout that was I couldn't go back to work that soon with the NHS side but the telehealth going back to DCA was easy you know, it was controlled, I knew that I'm at home, Um, you know, I could do a few hours, I can't remember whether it was three or four hours I was doing, this is it, you can choose, well, you, you could, I could then, so I would just sit down, you know, do my sessions, I had longer with the patients, I didn't have to worry about interruptions, I didn't have to worry about, you know, blood results, I've got this, that, the other to do, it was just all you do is seeing patients, you know. The, Just doing what, what you're
1: paid to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. It. And
0: there was no stress. Yeah. So it was really nice to be able to do that. And the other thing was later when I thought, I don't want to do this in the NHS anymore, I, had, I did more of the t- digital health while I was deciding what to do. And it's thanks to being in digital health that, you know, I found, so I was saying to you that I found Chip on um medic footprints and wanted to do lifestyle medicine so did that and then then decided actually I'm going to do the lifestyle diploma and all the thing now I'm doing a coaching diploma and I feel I've been able to do that because I'm not
1: in a full-time NHS job and basically headspace and time to learn yourself a bit more understand what works for you in the dynamic world of life because we all change we have different commitments as you've described and then it gives you time to explore because yeah and I completely agree like when you're in a full-time NHS job things can be really stressful all-encompassing there's no full stop it just Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> <laughs> each day, and you're almost
0: wishing your life away. I mean, it's no way to be, you know, oh, end of the week, thank God, you know, and it's kind of, mm. and also it's, uh, you forget. So, like, just, you know, it's normal to not take a lunch break and be doing at your desk and just trying to keep going, keep going. And then, particularly, you know, I went off, did lifestyle medicine, and it's all about, you know, looking after yourself and we call it the national health service yet most people who work in the health service there's no health that we don't look
1: after our yeah, workforce. I think that's an ongoing challenge that you know the NHS is, is finding it really challenging really difficult to tackle because it is such a massive organism uh, which has grown over the years has got kind of different bits added to it and responsibility that is kind of divulged throughout the whole of the UK yeah um, even though you've got you've got a figurehead and you've got a lead it, it's actually just lots of different organizations together yes, so exactly. tackling staff well-being it's probably done really well in like different pockets yeah but as a whole and as its reputation it's still got a long way to go yeah um, and obviously
0: the yeah. the pandemic has changed everything and and in some ways so you know digital health now now that's, you know, it, it's it's in the NHS, and so now we know we're sort of using it more. And that's what it comes down to now when, like, for example, when new doctors come into doctor care anywhere. So previously, it would have been, you know, what's your experience of, you know, virtual remote consultations, even just telephone consults, what have you? pre Pre-pandemic, some GPs hadn't really done it. And now... Pretty much everyone, every GP has had to learn to manage patients remotely.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be, you know, the standard, I think, moving forward, just to provide better accessibility for people. Because I find in med, for example, occupational medicine, the attendance rates are much higher when they don't have to come in. <laughs> where you actually just call them or you know you've got a video call attendance rates are much better yeah um than if you've got someone who has to travel you know x distance to actually be in your your room and you have to travel x distance so it just it just I think facilitates better connections anyway the last the last point that we I really wanted to cover for this discussion is really to understand more about professional growth within telemedicine companies yeah um, so obviously you are now a clinical lead, <laughs> congratulations, um, and one of the things I also advise doctors, especially if they're moving into industry, whether it's Pelican, clinical role or not, is that actually it's a really great hotbed for actually doing lots of different things beyond the standard clinical as a doctor. So would you like to just kind of give me an overview of what opportunities have you seen in the course of your work as a GP, as a doctor, to really grow in these, in these telemedicine companies oh, cool. into other areas.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, pre, pre me becoming a clinical lead, um, there was an opportunity at Dr. Care Anywhere, beginning of the pandemic and there was something on there that they partnered up and, you know, would anyone be interested in speaking at a webinar and it was for new moms who'd had a baby and I mean, historically, if you knew me at medical school, the thought of speaking publicly, I would vomit. You know, I was just, I I didn't do public speaking, it wasn't my thing. But I remember thinking, do you know what, that would be a really nice thing to do as, you know, having been a mum and feeling sorry for these mums in the pandemic and not having the support. So I volunteered to do that. And I I did it. So it was really nice, you know, writing, it was common paediatric problems in in the newborn and things where they wouldn't have to worry and doing that. So I I did that as as a webinar. So that was just as a panel GP, I wasn't a clinical lead or anything. And that was really nice to be doing something different. And that's when I thought maybe there are other things I can do. So, becoming a clinical lead has really opened my eyes to how many transferable skills we have as GPs. I don't think we realize it. We're just so fixed on sort of, you know, there's this service provision and, and, kind of just getting down what we do but actually we, we can do so much and like particularly when it comes to like risk assessment um you know our communication skills where they can be used so like opportunities for me um I've been able to do I've done a webinar for um a group of women on the menopause so I kind of I did it from so I've been able to do, as I said, I've done my lifestyle diploma and all these things. So I've been able to focus on what I want and I use that to um, do this webinar on the menopause, but then obviously talked about HRT and what have you. That was really good. Um, and I've been able to I did a I did at our DCA conference in November I did a talk for for everybody on lifestyle medicine and and physician burnout because obviously having burned out myself it's always that thing if you burn out it Mm -hmm. leads you in a certain way doesn't it and to help others um my mentoring like um so as a clinical lead I've had my own GPs and being able to meet with them, support them, help them, you know, they get to know me, I get to know them. And, you know, some of them I can see if if you know they're telling me about their NHS work or they're struggling. And, and it's it's nice to be able to sort of help other colleagues. So there's that, and then and then obviously as a clinical lead, you can get involved in writing protocols. For example, so I'm really passionate about well-being um, and looking after our doctors. So I'm, I'm currently in the process of, of doing policy for that, you know, mental health and well-being in the workplace. So looking at that. And yeah, you know, it's getting, getting into the clinical lead role. It just oh. opens it up. There's so much you can do. Oh. And I think until you're doing something like this, you don't realise mm-hmm. how many transferable skills you have.
1: It's really, it's really great to hear your insights on the fact that you, you can you can basically act more as a on a managerial and um, influential level, and also speaking about a whole variety of different medical clinical stuff. But again, using digital platforms, um, and I'd also like to hear because I know quite a few doctors who have moved into say medical director roles, or even like if you're working at Babylon, you're probably aware of some of the non-clinic, non-clinical roles in AI and you know digital what's it called I'm trying to think of the word now working on the actual platform rather than in the platform yeah. in, product. Um, in product that's the word i think of <laughs> products um, product. so I mean yeah. so like so would you say like once you're in the company once you're in the company is that basically the, the kind of the doors open for you to kind of move wherever I think
0: think absolutely so so what I would say is you're you're more likely to progress in one of the newer companies if you've been there from the beginning so but I think I think most companies you know if if you come in and you that's what you want to do I think if you start getting involved often a lot of these companies they you know they may have opportunities to be involved with things so like at the minute because of all the changes at DCA we want our panel GPs to be involved so there's like a clinician improvement program where where they can get involved and and talk so if you're getting involved in that and then you start doing things like that you're more likely we know you um you know or potentially if if you have a special interest and you let that company this is my special interest so say that's menopause if that company then were to do something menopause related they may call you I have a special interest in cardiology and then they decide to do something with I don't know some cardiology type wearable device or something then they might call on you so I think I think absolutely if, if if you want to progress and you want to be doing something else, I think if you make that clear from the beginning um, and let them know you're there, and if you're good at what you're doing, they'll notice you and they're, notice, they're a good yeah. Actually, oh, they wanted to do that. We're doing this. Let's get them involved. I think you're more likely to progress if you start with a company that's just starting up. So say you join one of the bigger companies, there's already lots of people there and what have you. I think starting with a company that's more of a startup you know they're just building and you're there from the beginning I think you're more likely Mm -hmm. to progress if that makes sense
1: I think that's a really great point um and it's about like it's just like you're putting an investment into something and the less established the company the bigger the reward isn't it when you're you're taking that risk and and really kind of putting yourself you know your head against above the pulpit to really stand out and to progress as you as you want to in, yeah. in your career. So thank you so much for your time, Sharina. Your insights are so, so valuable for our community of doctors and GPs who are considering moving into telehealth or moving around telehealth because we know, I mean, I always say this, like health tech in the future will just be health again. Like this is this is hell, right? It um, is the so future. It's, it's, There's yeah. no escaping it, is isn't it? It's the current, it's the future, it's everything. But thank you so much
0: for your time. Thank you, Venus. Lovely to talk to you.
1: Wow, well, I hope that interview gave you a bit of food for thought. And we are not gonna stop there just to let you know. Um, we also have another interview with a doctor that will be coming up soon so stay tuned to our podcast and don't forget if what Sharina shared with us today really resonates with you and you're interested in finding out more about Dr Care Anywhere feel free to jump on our website and express your interest just so you can hear a little bit more from the team themselves and you can decide whether it's right for you Um, or you can google doctor care anywhere and they have a really great gp careers page and finally if you are a gp who's working with an amazing company that you feel that gps should know more about then just email us at team at medicfootprints.org. on to the next episode